Golden State Warriors basketball. This is the Mark Jackson Show. I don't go with what the norm is. My goal from day one is to not be an average coach. Pull up three. Good. Now here's Mr. T on the Sports Weasley. It is indeed time for the Mark Jackson Show. Mark Jackson Show is brought to you by Stanford Hospital and Clinics, the official team physicians of the Golden State Warriors. To learn more, visit StanfordHospital.org. Jack, what's going on, ma'am? All is well. All is well. Thank you. I was, uh, I don't want to say shocked, but I, you know, I don't really pay attention to standings early in the season because they don't mean a whole heck of a lot. You just play games, and somewhere in the middle of the season, you look up and see where the, the heck you are. But did it? Uh, I'm sure it didn't escape your attention that you were tied for first in the Pacific Division. It's been a long time since the Warriors have been up there at any part of the season. How did it hit you? I mean, was it something you looked at, didn't pay too much attention to because it's so early? Something you looked at and took some pride in because of the way you guys have played early on? I mean, early in the season, how does that hit you as a head coach? Well, you know, it makes you feel good when you think about the fact that the matter is we're, we're missing two key players and Andrew Bogan and Brandon Rush. Uh, and still, uh, even look at eight road games against some pretty good teams early on in this season and still find a way to be eight and six. Um, we're certainly not where we want to be and we're not satisfied. But if you talk, uh, early on about the hand we'd be dealt right now and you look up and you see us, uh, sitting on top of our division, it, it, it feels good. Uh, and one thing I've, I've done because being part of good teams in the past as a player, we have a board in our locker room that tells you exactly where you are uh, every single day in, okay. in, 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 in each uh, division. So um, we recognize it, and we want to be conscious of the fact of where we are and, and the work that lies ahead. Do you take quizzes? No, no, no. I, I, I don't think it's, <laughs> it's not that serious. What I, what I do want to have is Who's third in the Northeast? That's well aware, <laughs> that's well, that's well aware of, of where we are and, and, and how important each game is. Could everyone on the team name every team's nickname? Oh, I'd be terribly disappointed if they couldn't. I don't know. Oh, I played with goodness. some guys that didn't follow sports very much. <laughs> I think you know you have, too. I bet you you have, too. You've played with some guys like that, haven't you? Absolutely, absolutely. There's no question. Actually, I've I've had a guy that did not know how many teams there were uh, in the league. So um, that's I'm not going to call out any names. I, I won't I'll call out. I won't call out any names, Jack. But when I played for the Warriors, when we went there with Nelly, there were a couple guys on the team that looked up and we said, "Hey, coach's number," and they said, "You played here?" <laughs> I said, "Oh Lord, <laughs> that's classic." So much for the history of the NBA. Well, I get why players wouldn't know their history, but not knowing how many teams are in the league at the time that they're playing, that to me is a lower bar to clear. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. If they didn't know that I played, I'm not concerned about that. But to not know how many teams are in the league, I mean, it's yeah, that's very surprising. <laughs> did did you – I mean, I don't know how often you, you spend time watching other games and thinking about them. But were, could your heart go out for for Mike Dunham the night that he was that he was getting blown out by by, by fifty five by by Oklahoma City being down seventy nine twenty four at one point? I mean, it just I'm sure you had to play in a game or two like that where you're you were eliminated in the third minute in the game because that was just 
That was amazing to me. I just I haven't seen yeah. a box score like that in forever. No, it was amazing, and the score was shocking. But you, you hang around this league long enough, you get nights like that where everything's clicking for a team or for an individual, and and nothing seems to be going right for for the opposition. That being said, uh, I watch a whole bunch of games. I'm a fan of the sport, but I never get caught up feeling bad for anybody having a bad night because I just know that the you know it's going to turn. Uh, everybody's going to have their turn as far as that's concerned. You're going to have long nights in this league. Hey, you mentioned Brandon Rush not being on the on the roster, Andrew Bogut, obviously. But how do you think Brandon Rush being out has impacted what Harrison Barnes has been able to do? Because I always wonder about confidence of rookies because they, they don't know what to expect yet. And Jared Jack, I had a chance to talk to him a couple of days ago, and he's gone through a little bit of a shooting slump. But he's a veteran. He knows that goes on throughout the course of a season. And he's probably not going to worry a whole lot about it. Young guys sometimes get caught up in exactly how they're doing, especially offensively. But I'm wondering, do you think that gave him maybe a little more confidence? And not that he was hurt, but you know what? Coach Jackson asked me to step up a little bit more. Maybe I'm going to be able to play through some mistakes a little bit more. And by doing that, maybe gaining some confidence early in the season. No, I'm sure it did. But that being said, I think he would be you know, a player that would continue to get better during the course of the year and gain more and more confidence because that's just who he is. He chased, he chases down greatness. He stays, you know, comes early, stays late. He puts the time in. He's a student of the game. Uh, I think the thing that has helped him, it'd be very easy for me, uh, in game situations to call on Brandon Rush to either go in the game for Clay Thompson or for Harrison Bonds because of his defensive ability, his ability to shoot the basketball. And he's a veteran and has been there and done that. I think with Harrison not looking over his shoulders and also learning night in and night out from players that he's playing against, uh, I think ultimately that, that, that is, you know, uh, that, that's, that has fed up his process as far as getting to be the player that he is today. And he's not done. Why is this team so much better defensively right now than it was last year? Players, scheme, or the fact that they've had a chance to kind of learn what you've liked in a full training camp? Well, I think you can say all of the above. We certainly have gotten better as a basketball team talent-wise. Uh, we've gotten smarter with more uh, high IQ basketball players, even our young guys. Uh, you know, you're talking about three rookies who play a lot of minutes for us, and uh, those are the guys that even down the stretch when we need to stop. Three of the rookies, and, and, and then even you know Charles Jenkins, who was a rookie last year, uh, they're on the floor when we need to stop. It's because of the time that we put in in the off season. We've certainly changed some things as far as schemes are concerned, but uh, we just we just drill it. We talk about it. We watch film. We study, and uh, give my guys credit. They do a heck of a job of buying in and, uh, and and being committed. Do you find that other teams, when you're playing them, are surprised at the commitment to defense that this team has had, as opposed to? Other warrior teams of the past are, are are they are they surprised that it's so much tougher for them to get baskets now against a team where traditionally it was never that difficult? Well, you know, I, I would say you know absolutely, and that's no knock on the past, but this team has been successful, or this team has relied on their ability to outscore opponents uh, in the last you know fifteen twenty years. It's been about putting up numbers on the offensive end. And uh, even though I enjoy doing that, uh, I, I thoroughly am committed to winning games and uh, being being a, a lockdown defensive team because I know at the end of the day, 
that's going to win you more games. I still want to push the pace. I still want to be aggressive offensively. I still want to score. But I want a team that primarily uh, is going to win games on the defensive end and, and force teams to, to, uh, to, to, to beat them uh, when they have the basketball. I, I know we have you know, guys that are very good defenders individually and collectively. We put together you know, guys that can protect the paint area. And it's a lot of fun. And I've been in games, coaching games, and guys come over during a timeout or during a, a free throw or a stop and play and compliment how hard my guys are playing and how committed we are on the defensive end. Would you have thought it'd be possible for you guys to be 8-6 and six with Steph Curry shooting 41%, Clay, Chomp, Clay Thompson shooting 37%? I mean, these are two guys you rely on to score, and I think that says a lot about not only the defense, but the other players that you've brought in, because I would have never thought that to be possible, Jack. I mean, when you think about all the things that have gone has gone through thus far, uh, Steph struggling early shooting, Clay struggling, you know, for quite a while shooting. Uh, David Lee, even even early on, wasn't playing his best basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at having all our young guys and and expecting them to have an impact right away, and then like I said, missing. You know Andrew Bogut and also Brandon Rush. For us to be eight and six is a heck of an accomplishment. We don't take it for granted. We're not satisfied. We're going to continue to build and continue to get better. But it says a lot about this group of guys and 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 how how much they buy in. What did you when you're broadcasting, which you did for a number of years? You got a chance to see Carl Landry play Houston, Sacramento, New Orleans. I've always been a big fan of his. I, I thought he had some toughness to him. He could score down the block. He could hit the mid range jump shot, and I've always wondered why he was on his fourth team. The only thing I could come up with was maybe he just didn't have the size that teams wanted for a prototypical power forward, and maybe they viewed him more as a reserve and they didn't want to pay him the money. I, I couldn't quite figure it out because, I, like I said, I really enjoyed his game. Before you took this job and really got a chance to see what he was all about, I mean, could you come up with a reason why this guy was still out there? No, you only watch him from a distance. Uh, I certainly watched them, you know, in Houston uh, when they were successful, making that playoff run a couple of years ago. I watched him when he was in New Orleans. Um, you know, the the guy can score on the block, and um, and 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 spending time with him in the off season when he was a free agent, I had dinner with him, and I could tell right away he was a quality guy, uh, absolutely a professional, and was committed to to being part of a, a great situation. I didn't know if we had him or not, but we, we spent time together. And uh, the one thing I knew is that he could stop the bleeding. And wh- when I say that, I mean teams are going to have runs and you're going to be trying to put teams away down the stretch. You have to have a guy that can make a play. That doesn't mean he's going to score all the time, but he's going to put you in position to get a high percentage quality look. And he's a guy on the post that does exactly that. Uh, and and he's, he's won ball games. Uh, for us already this year by doing just that, and he's 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 a he's a big time talent on that post, and you can you can put bigger guys on him. He's skilled enough to get by him, and smaller guys on him, he's strong enough to you know to, to overpower them. Have you noticed a difference in the way the game is played with the new flopping rule? Uh, there is a difference, and I think that the new rule has basic as you know to some degree. Uh, slowed the flopping or the acting aspect of the game down, and guys are not doing it as much. It's still there, but it, it, it certainly has changed how how players play night in and night out. And I know you were probably as shocked as I was that Reggie Evans was the first guy dinged. 
I don't think Reggie Evans was shocked. <laughs> uh, did you ever try to flop? I, I, I've told this story before, and I told Ray, Mark, that the first time I tried to flop was in a preseason game, and I forget who it was that was officiating, but it was Larry Nance I was guarding. And I flopped down to the ground, and the, the official just looked at me and said, get up. Like, just disgusted with me. Get up. <laughs> Larry Nance stepped over me and dunked it, and that was like, it was a double embarrassment. So I said, okay, that's the end of my flopping <laughs> flopping right there. Did you ever try it when you were, uh, when you were a player? Well, I think anybody that's played, uh, by definition of flopping, has, has flopped at a time. Or uh, uh, one time or another, whether it be selling a, a foul mm-hmm. when you take a shot, or uh, whether it be taking an offensive foul and making it look like you know the contact, because the best way to not get hurt taking an offensive foul is you know acting some. So, so I think we've all done it over the course of our careers. And I did think all have... of us that played for the Clippers did it because we we didn't want to get hurt for that racket. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Ray. Did, did you did did, did you? Uh... Develop it to the point where you knew what officials would would buy what you're selling and which ones wouldn't. No, I think at that point you you take it too serious. You're just trying to sell a play, and and I think ultimately that's what you learn to do. You don't try to gain any advantage or go too far in depth to try to decide which officials you can trick into it. No, it's just it's just making a play and trying to sell it one way or the other. I could just see Earl Strom being the guy who was disgusted with Tommy. <laughs> Earl actually liked me. Earl actually gave me uh, a couple calls. I want to ask you uh, about if being a head coach and trying to work the officials in your second year and how you go about doing that without going overboard. I mean, a lot of different coaches do it a lot of different ways. But talk about your relationship with the officials now versus your first year as a head coach and maybe some of the things you've changed, some of the things that work, or have you changed at all? No, I haven't changed at all. And the reason why is because I didn't just meet these guys. A yeah. lot of these guys have been in this league a long time, and they know me as a player. Uh, so there's a respect level right there. And ultimately what I do is I try to talk to them. Mm-hmm. If I think they're wrong, then I, I tell them they're wrong. And if, if I think they're right, I'm, 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 I'm coach enough and man enough to say, hey, that's a great call. You know, and, and they appreciate the fact that you can give them credit whether it's against you or, or, or for you, mm-hmm. when it's a wrong call, and you can be fair when it's when it's a right call. So ultimately, I just try to treat them like they're men. I know they have a tough job to to, to uh, fulfill, and I know that they're, they're never going to please everybody on the court, whether it be home team, opposing team, fans, announcers. People are going to be upset with every single call that they make, and at the end of the day, uh, I just want to let my feelings be known and, and try to try to treat them like men. So you haven't tried the, you know what, you stunk 20 years ago, you still stink. <laughs> no, no. I, you know what, I might just put you on tape saying it and just play it. Call him over. Hey, before I let you go, just give us a quick hit on uh, Andrew Boga. We talked to him yesterday. He he sounded disgusted just with the whole process and that he wasn't able to go out there and help you guys. I know he wants to get out there. I know you guys want to have him out there. So I'm sure it's frustrating for everyone involved just give us your thoughts uh how it's coming are there any expectations whatsoever as to when he may be back would you consider going and getting somebody else or are you you comfortable with the center tandem you have right now well as as uh he's going to come back when he's healthy and i'm not frustrated with the fact because i understand as a player you go through injuries and you go through rehab and all of that i just think at the end of the day we got to realize there's no pressure on him 
we're looking forward to him coming back when he's 100%. And uh, we're going to continue to do what we have to do as a basketball team and embrace the fact that he's doing everything that he has to do to put himself in a position to come back to us uh, when he's right. I, I think asking him to do anything else is not the right way of going about it. Um, and, and, and we're fine with just that. So there's no pressure on him, and, and we're excited to have him. And we want to make sure that he's here for the long haul, and that's that's by making sure that he comes back when he's 100% and not a second before that. Jack, we always appreciate the time. Uh, congrats on the good start. We'll look forward to doing it again next week, my friend. Thanks again. Good talking to you guys. All right, Jack. Take it easy.